Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? You know when you find something football-related and it just gives you the chills and you play it over and over again on the internet? Of course. That's what, that's what I've done uh, with this. This is, this is, I think this is the perfect audio to set the tone for the podcast. This is, this is mood music. If, if, if crowd noises were mood music for football. So Birmingham with a, a stoppage time winner against Plymouth at the weekend... And it's at St. Andrews and you can hear the crowd just say, go on in unison, like go on, like he's in and he's going to score. And it's, it's, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I just played it four or five times and it's got me absolutely amped for this podcast. Let's take a listen. That's so good. That's it's a a collective go on. Everyone's thinking the same thing. Everyone is hyped. Everyone is on the same page. It's like like there's got to be what St. Andrews. So there's probably about uh, 25,000, 30,000 people there. Oh, I love it. it. It's like a social, it's like a, an experiment in group think. Yeah. Just like how, how minds collectively become one in certain situations. It's very interesting. It is quite amazing, uh, but it's good group think. Group think is usually not a great thing. This is <laughs> this is this is amazing, and it was an amazing weekend uh, of football. Oh man, it really, it really was. I mean, the league, the Premier League, the European leagues have been back for a few weeks, but it felt like this was the real. Okay, we're back now. Week, yeah. Um, thrilling results up and down the board. Uh, surprising results, standout performances. It was such a fun fun weekend we're going to get through all of it here over the course of the next hour to three hours or so it could be anywhere in between as all of you know um 
So we'll, we're, yeah, we'll go through all the, the marquee Premier League action, uh, a little bit of MLS. I've got some, I think there's some things of, of note that need to be mentioned there. And then Messi JJ, league soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then JJ, uh, by your request, you texted me earlier today and said, I, I think we should do red cards and man of the match on tonight's pod, which I think well, was actually I'm, a great call. I, I'm responding to, to the animals um, okay. who, have, who, who constantly remind us, don't leave it out. So let's bring it back in. Um, and I think we've got some good candidates and we've got some breaking news north of the border as well that I, I've included hmm. in, um, in our red cards matter of the match. Some oh. surprising news, to be honest with you. And um, we'll get to that. And uh, and also, uh, just yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just a great podcast. I was just flicking through it, looking at my notes. Exciting. Very, very professional. You're a very professional person. Um, well, let's dive right in. I mean, why even why even dilly dally, JJ? Let's go right in. Liverpool and Newcastle. I think is it's it's where I want to start. It was it was stunning to watch that play out. Not just the way in which it happened, but certainly the player at the center of it, whom we will discuss at length. But you know, where I want to start with something that not happened during the game, but a comment that was made afterwards. And I think I want to get your opinion on it. Jurgen Klopp said after the game that this victory, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said this victory was harder than their miracle victory against Barcelona in the second leg of the 2019 Champions League semifinal. Hyperbole or rational statement from I mean, a Liverpool fan? Ah, come on! I, like it's very, it's very hard to look at a two overturning a three nil defeat against the world's best player. You know, to to say like that that was such an incredible mountain to climb, and 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 just for the sake of memory, I don't want to diminish it because it was so special. If you want to say that's as tough a ninety minutes, or as tough a scenario as Klopp's had to work himself out of in the league, I would absolutely say so. I mean, I remember a sticky visit to St. James's Park in 2018-2019, the spring of 2019, where um, uh, Divock Origi got a winner. And like that that game was super tight, and, and I wasn't sure that, I mean, Liverpool needed a win. Uh, I, I would, Like when, when Darwin Nunes scored the first goal, the equaliser, I was happy just to nick a point to mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, to, to really hurt Newcastle. And to sicken them in the way that we did, can I just get the fandom stuff out of the way first before you know before I become dispassionate analysis man? Just, yeah, really, really anger the audience here. Yeah, I I loved that that result goes into my top five Jurgen Klopp results. Uh, and you'd think of some of the results he's got since wow. he joined the club. I, I'm that was so effing sweet. So I'm in. Um, I'm supposed to be. Uh, my girlfriend's gone to the beach. I said, I'll mind the baby. So the baby's in the room in our little house on the shore. And Darcy's gone to the beach. I'm just there watching the game. And I'm thinking about the, the, the drive home because we're going back to Brooklyn later in the day. But I'm sat there. And as Virgil van Dyke gets sent off, Roisin, my daughter, starts screaming her head off. She's supposed to be down for a nap. She just starts roaring. And I'm like, okay, how do I do this? So I, I go in, I soothe Roisin, I get her back down, I come out, and my gut is absolutely telling me, right, this is where one of those games, something similar to, do you remember when we went to Tottenham, when Tottenham were at Wembley, and you ran us over like 6-0 or something? Was like that the, bat- the Dejan Lovren game where Harry Kane just kind of took him to school? 
and he had yeah, he had to be taken off. Like yeah. you battered us. Yeah, I remember that. Um, it's the last time we beat you, isn't it? I think it is actually. Yeah, and and it it just felt like this game. So many things are going wrong in so many areas that this game is look. It's damage limitation. If we keep it two nil, three nil, you'll be happy. So to come out at the other end and absolutely silence that place, apart from, you know, where they put the away supporters as well. Uh, they're they're like in the the city in the clouds from Star Wars. Yeah, they are so high up in in St James's Park. You know, St James's Park is at such an odd but amazing ground. It's one of my favorite grounds in the league because it's like they've done this L. They've done amazing work. Like, and they did this, they did this 15, 20 years ago almost at this point. And it just goes into the sky. And yet there's one one stand that's just like they haven't done anything with it yet. They haven't done the money together. There is a very weird architectural like, okay, how are we going to do this? Well, let's make the stands behind the goals go eight thousand feet up into the air and have the other ones go, let's 15 rows. How about that? Like it's a very weird look to it. It is. And 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 it's 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 symptomatic of, of like that's what English grounds used to be. It was like well, we'll develop this stand first because that's all the money we have for that. And then we'll try and get to the other ones. And what you end up with is these unique, like look at Ellen Road, exactly the same, like a hodgepodge of different era stands. But I, I digress. And so to, to have that pocket of fans just pop off is awesome. Absolutely awesome. For Nunez to do it right underneath them. It's just one of those special, special moments. I um, I absolutely loved it. And... I loved it because I hated the way that Newcastle celebrated going 1-0 up. I don't mean the supporters. Go mental, absolutely. But uh, Jason Tindall, the man who is Eddie's right-hand man and probably one of the reasons why we've got all these laws come in about people on the edge of the box. I mean, he is flouting the rules. He's always beside Eddie. Um, He shushed. He shushed after the goal. Now towards Klopp, right? Yeah. I mean, what now, he did was he he. Let's be honest, JJ. He lived out the dream of about ninety eight percent of us. But that dream turned sour, Andrew. Yeah, it sure did. It turned into a nightmare pretty quick. Like, I'm, I'm, if you know anything about sports and anything about like like, there's two teams, maybe maybe there's three or four teams I I wouldn't shush against. Uh, I wouldn't shush against Manchester United midway through a game if I'm leading one nil, like with their history of comebacks. Yeah, I wouldn't do it against Liverpool either. Like, it was just so. But 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 then I think about it. In a way, wasn't I shushing myself? I could not see a way that Newcastle wouldn't run over Liverpool. Everything fell for them, right in front of them. And Andrew, it's about as cowardly a performance from a team with 11 men as I have ever seen. It's about as cowardly a management job from Eddie Howe. The only thing more cowardly about Eddie Howe is when he won't answer questions on Saudi Arabia. That, that, that's, that's literally, and I mean cowardly in football terms, absolutely, like, like stunning. Miggy Almiron was the only one on that in a Newcastle jersey who understood what needed to be done. Literally the only one. Now, he was denied by a brilliant save by Allison. Like, that'll go down as one of the saves of the decade. It was so good. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And... And he, and he was denied by the post as well. But outside of that, Newcastle did nothing. Like nothing. They passed the ball around a bit, often passed it and gave it away. And all you could see was just like Liverpool growing in confidence. And 
and Klopp made substitutions. And I guess he just caught, he caught Nunes in a mood where he felt he had to prove himself and, and, and two brilliant finishes, little bit of luck to get in behind on, on one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. That's it. You're, you're sunk. And when Eddie Howe talks about, you know, unlucky, should have put the game to bed. No, yeah, Eddie, you should have. You should have. Why did he take off Anthony Gordon? Like Anthony Gordon had, had Trent Alexander-Arnold's number with Trent on a yellow. And people, you can say, Trent should have been off. Maybe he should have been off. Maybe. Um, although I don't think he should have gotten the yellow, that first yellow card in, in, in the first instance, it was a foul on him. And to punish his reaction, I think, was wrong. But that look, that's the world we're in now with the with the new laws and, and the time wasting, etc. You kick the ball away, you throw the ball away, you're gonna get um you're gonna get a yellow card. But I just felt where's Newcastle? Where were they? I I before the goal, Andrew, you can check the timeline. Before the goal, the equalizer, right before it, I shot off a text saying, I expected so much more from Newcastle after Liverpool went down to 10 men. And it never happened. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, now I like I don't want to I don't want to debate you on it because I do I do kind of agree, but I also I I don't know. I can't help but think Newcastle is getting a little bit of a bad rap from the cowardly performance perspective. Why? Only, well only because like you know they 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 took 23 shots like they still had eight shots on target they still needed like liverpool needed like you just said to muster I mean, up one of the stats... saves of the decade like almiron hit the but, but post Andrew, anthony, Andrew, like you Andrew, said anthony Andrew, gordon Andrew, Andrew. and you can talk well hang on like you can talk about anthony gordon being taken off but like cowardly would have been bringing on a defensive mid like they brought on harvey barnes and callum wilson like they did ah. make attack minded substitutions so yeah, I, I don't know. I almost think that I that's mean, giving, not giving fans... Liverpool quite enough credit. Like Liverpool defended extremely well, were presented with basically two chances, and they were ruthless in a way that Newcastle were not capable of of being ruthless themselves. Andrew, like, like I'm not like the the eight shots on target. Okay, like I can't I can't remember every shot, but cut that cut those up any way you want. Like it should have been an onslaught, and it never was. It never happened. You know, like and Liverpool. You, you know, you talk about the substitutions that Newcastle made. Like Liverpool be- brought on a child at centre back. You know, brought him in and slotted him in there. He had an easy run of it. What did Callum Wilson do, Andrew? He skied one over the bar. Yeah, he, he, didn't, like he didn't do anything. Do, they didn't do anything. And I, like you can, you can give me, you can stat me out the window. It, like I saw it with my own eyes. There was not the cohesive, fluid attack that there should have been when you're eleven against ten at home, and you've already realised that you've got the number, and you know how to get at Liverpool, and it just didn't materialise. And I blame Eddie Howe for that. If we're going to give him all this pre- credit for what he's done, you know, like he's basically turned this Newcastle team around in 18 months. Like he's got to take some blame here. It was like from a football point of view, I can't think of a better word. Like why wouldn't you just go out and take them apart? Like, and they didn't do it. And it's another week where we're looking at Newcastle and thinking, you know, the intensity of that first game against Aston Villa, very good. The second, the game against City last week, didn't really put up the challenge we expected them to put up against City. And now this week when it's right there for them and they can't take it. 
I don't care. Like maybe, maybe, maybe cowardly is too strong. I, but but we had a lot. Of, I had a lot of Newcastle listeners, uh, our listeners, like saying that was that was. Oh, it's, I mean, it, I'll pull. It's like the it was, it's the worst loss of this era for them of the Eddie Howe post Saudi takeover. Like this, this was. I think, I think it was embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing, and um, and like all credit to Liverpool for keep it for just like staying in the game, um, and defending as well as they did, and 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 leaving themselves with it with a shot. But I I have to say, like if Newcastle are serious, they should have been putting Liverpool away. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, now let's talk about the man who turned it around, Darwin Nunez. Now. You know, I was thinking about it, JJ. Since we started this podcast, I would say over over the what's it been now? Ten, almost ten years. Um, I feel like I, I've developed different like footballing principles or tenets, like things that I believe in in this sport. Only in swingers on free kicks, no panankas on penalties. Of course, is a famous one. I'm considering adding the. Uh, it's in America's best interest for our best players to never play, but that's still in the review period. Um, but you know, my policy on attackers, like I, sometimes to a fault, I ride with guys who are around the action and create opportunities a lot longer than I will with guys whose names don't get mentioned for 90 minutes. Think like Lukaku at Chelsea. You know, I've seen it. Soldado and Vincent Jansen at Spurs. Like you don't know they're there. Guys like Nunez who are missing big chances like they're more likely to get made fun of and make the wrong sort of headlines than the guys who are invisible. But I think you have to see past that. And I think that's what happened this weekend with Nunez. And I wonder if it's some kind of turning point for him. XG philosophy, JJ. Darwin Nunez scored nine goals from 14.28 XG last season. Like he was roundly made fun of last season. But I don't know. I I see that and I kind of choose to wait for the reversion to the mean. Like we know he we saw what he did at Benfica, like in the Champions League. We know he's capable. Like it just didn't happen for him. He was he was creating chances left and right. His finishing was just poor. Two goals from zero point four two XG on Sunday. Reversion to the mean. I think that it's gonna happen for this guy. I really do. And I think you got a glimpse of it over the weekend. I'm just like the lack of confidence I had both times, even after he scored the first one. The first one's such a brilliant finish. He just buries it just leathers it right into the bottom left corner. And the second one is a bit more like, it's it's a bit more of a cultured finish with the side of the foot. They're two brilliant goals. Absolutely brilliant. Deadly strikers goals in and that like, like right-hand channel. Just class. But I'm just, I still remain, like after the weekend, I'm, I'm wondering if you're right. And I'm wondering if this guy is a confidence player We'd heard about the rumors that he'd fallen out with. Well, at worst, we'd heard he'd fallen out with Klopp. At best, he was upset to not be starting the 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 opening games of the season, which I understand. Klopp said um, as much, basically. Yeah, Klopp pretty much confirmed that. Uh, may, like maybe you are right. Maybe he goes on a run now. Um, I I just like there's certain there's certain certainties I think about. Like I think about the Liverpool. Let's just stick with Liverpool for now. Like I think about Fernando Torres in a one v one position, I'm always banking on him to score. Um, Luis Suarez, absolutely. Mohamed Salah, a thousand percent. Sadio Mane, yes. And I just don't feel that way. He's he's not as as 
He's not as smooth an operator as any of those players were. Um, but here's, listen, I, to go back, I had this conversation with Michael Owen uh, a month ago uh, when he was in New York. And Michael Owen kind of hints at what you were saying. Let's take a listen. I watch him and I'm torn. I do, I do give him some slack. I see some of the things he does and think, think, wow. I mean, if he can polish, you know, round the edges, he could be exceptional. Um, sometimes I see a little bit of Fernando Torres about him, the way he's just so direct, just straight to goal. Yeah. But then again, he'll do a couple of things. I'll think, wow, that's you know, do you he should have been his first touch, even. Well, think little things that you think almost should be. But you know, you go back to when Didier Drogba signed and things like that. People laughed at him, you know, and said how bad his touch was yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it. And yeah, you, I don't need to say anything. Yeah. Sometimes I see a player and think, I've, I know that, I, you know, I just see it and I feel it and I say it. With him, I'd be petrified of saying, do you know what? I think it's too much money they've paid. He could bite you in the arse. I think he, I think he could be with coaching. I think he could be very, very good in the future. So maybe Darwin Nunes is about to bite me in the arse, and and I, it will be the nicest biting I've ever had on my arse if if this turns out to be the case. Because um, Michael Owen mentioned there about you know maybe he needs you know someone to school him to work him you know because he's quite raw. Apparently Nunes said he spoke with. Marcelo Bielsa, who is the new Uruguayan manager on the phone, and, and they talked about, you know, honing his technique. Now, I don't know if you can do that in phone call. <laughs> I, um, but uh, I sincerely hope now that this is the moment where he, he kicks on. I just, I just have my reservations. Every time, I don't know what's going to happen when the ball gets to him, Andrew. Do not know. And, and that for me is... I mean, maybe that's his strength. Maybe that's his strength. Um, but like the weekend, I, I, he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Those two finishes are as good as you as you're going to see. If if that's what if that's the base I'm working off, okay, fair enough. Let's take it forward. Let's see what happens. And to say that, like you know, Torres for Liverpool, Suarez, Salah, like to not be as confident in him as you are with them. Fair. I'll grant you that. It's it's three of the great Liverpool players of the last 50 years. Like, if that's the bar... That, it is the bar, though. It uh, has to be. It's Liverpool Football Club. It has to be the bar. Not everybody can live up to the Suarez bar. I, I'm well, like, If Suarez he falls means... short of that, he can still be a brilliant player. No, I'm talking about finishing, really. Because he's never... There's, like, Suarez is the... Of, of the three I've mentioned there, Suarez is the best all-around footballer I've ever seen. He's just... I'm not expecting that, but I'm expecting kind of the confidence when they're in on goal is what I'm talking about, Andrew. The surety of the first touch, the sense that every turn is meant. Like sometimes when he gets the ball, I'm like, and he turns someone, I was like, did, did he mean to do that? Because it just seems to have bobbed up off the turf, hit his knee and gone past someone. But I'll tell you, he gave me absolute chills at the weekend. So I am happy to say, hey, Darwin, I'm giving you another chance because I've been probably his most vocal critic. Now, before we leave this, we should mention one of the players you just mentioned there, Mo Salah, um, an update on the situation with Al Had They're trying to entice Liverpool with a bid that's reportedly of 150 million euros. Mm. There are some add-ons that are apparently not entirely reachable by some reports, but you never know. Um, you sent me a tweet uh, earlier today 
that yes. kind of and you you had the caption to it of this is pretty much the this pod's our pod's position and it's true it's from michael l goodman he said i mostly think this money will be there next summer and liverpool should stand firm for the season but also you don't get a lot of chances to sell a 31 year old for this amount of money it's not like a slam dunk to turn it down i know it's fence sitting it's not like you know it's not the kind of stuff that you're supposed to do on on podcast on opinion pods and talk radio and stuff like that because it's kind of in the middle but it's pretty much how i feel about this i i i think that's how you do feel um but if i had to take a position it's it's too late do not sell don't torpedo your season don't do that and also it would be such a horrific way for a legend who is now a legendary Liverpool player to go. No, just slink off to Saudi Arabia after already, you know, starting the season with Liverpool. Absolutely not. Do not do it. That money is going to be around. It's going to be around next year and he'll have one year left on his contract and then I think it's the right time to cash in. Jamie Carragher was talking on Sky Sports and he kind of made the point that this is the dream. This is the actual zenith of the FSG model. (laughs) <laughs> to buy a player who comes in and does unbelievably for you, like record setting, and then you sell him for like many multiples of what you paid for him. This is their this is their wet dream. But but hold off, lads, just wait next year, next year, next summer. Yeah, That's Saudi Arabia feel- they they've changed the chemistry of when it is when is the right time to sell a player like as long as that player is willing to go to Saudi Arabia and play in that league then every then all bets are off now as to like oh you got to sell if you want to if you want to really make a killing on a on a player you got to sell him when he's 27 28 cuz after that it starts going down well, is do we know that with Saudi Arabia does any of that like make sense anymore who knows especially a guy like Salah who we talked about what he means to the Arab world and what it would mean for him to play in that league so yeah, I, I agree I, when we started that conversation last week, I was kind of of the opinion, 31, decent chance we've seen the best version of him. They have cover at that position, especially that was before I knew that Nunez was going to score goals like this against Newcastle, as much faith as I had in him. I thought, eh, maybe I'd do it. Maybe I'd do it for 150 mil. You sold me. You did. You you talked me back from the ledge um, with the idea that it's Salah. That money will be there because Saudi Arabia will want him that badly. We can do it a year from now. I think you're probably right. But if they did it, as somebody who is dispassionate here and not emotionally attached to him and what he means to that club, if they did do it sometime between now and the end of the deadline, I wouldn't kill them for it. I wouldn't kill them for it. Okay. But I doubt it. I doubt that I think, it's going to uh, happen. I, yeah, no, I don't think so either. I don't. I, I really don't think Liverpool want to um, as much as they'd really love that money. $150 million. God. I would be curious. You say as much as they don't want to. I, I'd be curious to be a fly on the wall in some of those meetings. I, would I think say, the, the football people will say can't do it, don't do it, don't do it. The money people, I wonder. I wonder if they, if it's, if it's un, totally unanimous in that room to not sell. I would have a feeling John Henry would be pretty all right with selling. Yeah. So wait, don't sell this thirty-one-year-old for one hundred and fifty million, and you know. So I can keep my 24 year old who I spent 90 whatever million on the bench. Like, really? are you sure, guys? Yeah. John, John, I often wonder if John Henry like looks at soccer and thinks this is like in very Captain Spock or was he Captain Spock? Mr. Spock. Uh, he goes, this is illogical. This makes no sense because don't forget the world he comes from is Moneyball. 
and uh, baseball and sabermetrics. Also, I think... Yeah, that organization, they let Mookie Betts walk out the door in his prime. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, do not sell is the podcast position for now. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ. And you know, I put this on the rundown. You can't win a title in August, but you can lose it. And like, I know that's a huge statement to make, but I'd be lying if I told you that in, in watching the ways that the opposing ways in which the Manchester City Sheffield United result played out versus the Arsenal Fulham yeah. result played out. And look, I don't know. Liverpool were my pick to finish second this year um, ahead of Arsenal. But I acknowledge that Arsenal, they fought City to the end last season. There's there's no reason that that couldn't necessarily happen again. Watching those two things happen, it just felt like, okay, like I'm not pronouncing anything. Obviously, it's silly to even look at the table after three weeks. But like, just know when we get to May, there might be certain weekends that I've circled as part of the final analysis. This one might be one of them. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I I only saw, you know, flashes, highlights of the Arsenal game, but I saw most of uh, Sheffield United, Manchester City, or WrestleMania, as as I like to call it. <laughs> um the the tag team match between Baldock Egan versus uh Holland was was quite something. It was it was really some unbelievable stuff. And like I have very little sympathy for Holland. Um you know, you know, you're a big boy, stop complaining to the ref, wrestle back, get it on, absolutely get it on. Um but but midway through that game, actually after 50 minutes I thought I think when Wes Fodderingham made the save from Holland, he made a really, really smart save when Holland went to dink it over him and he, he's going to ground and he gets a strong, strong hand up on it. So could Sheffield United do this? Could they grab a point? And then I thought Arsenal's weekend could be saved, but no, there was something inevitable about Holland eventually scoring. And when he did, it was it was from a beautiful Jack Grealish cross. It's, oh, that was oh, just man. sumptuous. Sumptuous turns him down, takes it down with the down the right, cuts down the right, and then just flicks it, cuts with his right rather down the left, and then flicks with his left boot, and it's it's just floating there, and there's a funny moment in it because Baldock is stuck underneath Holland, so he's got his back to him, and Holland is jumping over Baldock, so all Baldock can do is jump and just hope he puts him off a little bit. So Baldock is looking right at Fodderingham and right at the goal, and he just sees the ball flash into the net, and you can see in real time his face go, "Oh, <laughs> just just <laughs> the the grim acceptance streaks across his 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 face." Um, and then they got themselves back into it with one of the messiest goals you're ever likely to see. Well, I, mean, I, I have something on that, but before we on. Do, before we leave the Holland one, I just wanted to tell you do you do you know something interesting about that goal? So if you're watching it, he oh. scores, and then all of a sudden, a guy, a man, a man, a guy, a man, is on Holland's back, celebrating with him on the field, and then eventually yeah. security comes over after like an unnerving amount of time where that was yeah. like allowed to happen. Security removes the guy. Uh, it, when I was watching it, I was like, "Look at this animal on the pitch! Get him out of there! What's going on here?" It come to find out later. I mean, it is just a guy, but it's also not just a guy. Who was it? Um, I'm reading here the uh, 
The supporter who was taken off the pitch by security has been identified as Terry Flanagan, a world boxing champion. He's a oh, famous Terry. boxer. <laughs> He's a champion boxer. Because he I will say one thing, not to be not to be weird, but when he when he put his arm around uh Holland, I thought that is a that's a large arm. Yeah. That, that, like it it looked like a I obviously didn't know he was a boxer, but I thought, Jesus, I guess for Holland, if you're going to have John Egan and Baldock hanging out of you for an hour, it's probably nice to have someone hanging out of you that wants you to do well. So, I mean, what's a little bit more physical contact for, uh, for, uh, senior Holland. Um, Terry Flanagan. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he, like, I'm sure he got arrested. Um, yeah, I can't, can't do that. Do, is it that's an immediate arrest? Is it? It's an immediate arrest here, definitely. It may not be back, it may be just like oh, chucked out of the ground. Oh, really? Oh, I can't be, I can't be sure about that now. Uh, I don't know. Probably I'm, I'm should sure be arrested. A, uh, but yeah, he, he just jumps in there and it's uh, it is a long time, and you're like, huh. And and, and Holland is absolutely not bothered by it, but anyway, um. Yeah, that, that was a mess of a goal. The equalizer for Sheffield United was absolute mess. And it was designed and crafted initially by Kyle Walker doing a very, very much so. Yes. Very much um, so. Kyle Walker, you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to point him out specifically because I feel like Kyle Walker, there were life lessons to be gained. Nice positive life lessons to be gained from what happened in Kyle Walker's final few minutes of this game. So he's a former Sheffield United player. Like this is probably yeah. a game that that means a little more to him than maybe any other Manchester City player out on that field in on sure. that day. Um and he has this horror moment where he kind of needlessly back the ball's going o- over the end line. He could just smack it out for a throw in. Uh but instead he I don't know what he's thinking that really he, he gets cute, he backheels it right back into a dangerous position. Now some yeah. things still had to happen, but it, it kept the blades in possession. Eventually they get a goal from it. A couple passes later, bang, goal. And like to make matters worse, if Walker so he he backheels it into play and his momentum takes him out to like near the boards behind the goal. And he kind of lies there. If he had gotten up and just gotten himself back into play rather than just staying on the ground, I think that goal would have been chalked off for offside. Because I, I really think there was an interference there from McBurney that I think would have been called. Uh, Ederson, I don't think, could make the full reach that he would have wanted to uh, to try to save that, because I think McBurney was in his way. But, Interesting. Like, so, I don't so have Ederson, a clear picture in my head. but Well, so Ederson, he's arguing for it, but what he doesn't realize is Kyle Walker took himself out of the play and is lying down behind the goal, so he's playing everyone in the stadium onside. If he had just gotten up and tried to get back into the play, I think it would have been an interference. So that's just happened. A really like crushing moment for a guy who, like I said, probably cared more than anyone else on that field about winning this. And so what happens here? What's the positive life lesson, JJ? Instead of quitting or hanging his head or getting down, he gets mad, but the good kind of mad. Like the, I'm going to do everything in my power to make up for that kind of mad. So right after that, he wins a ball, beats his man, plays in a pass that Julian Alvarez skies over the bar. And you think, oh, that chance went away. Maybe that was it. But then a minute later, he does it again. He fights for the ball on the end line, a ball that he probably should not have won. He's physical, but not too physical where they're going to call a foul. Wins it back, dribbles back into the box, plays it into uh, Phil Foden, who lays off to Rodri, who smashes home for the winner. It's a life lesson. This sport is full of life lessons. 
But like your moment of redemption is always just a play away in the sport. Sometimes for the worst too. We've seen it the other way where a guy has a goal and then gives up a penalty 10 minutes later. You know, it happens both ways. But I thought I saw that when he won the ball back. I thought, you know what? Props to that guy. Like he could have hung his head. He didn't. And he just helped them win the game. So good for Kyle Walker. I, I just have concerns that there's a bald man recovering from surgery in a hospital in Barcelona who's like suddenly seeing this pulls out his like catheter and pulls out all the things that are linked to his hands and pulls off his morphine drip. Do you have a catheter for after back surgery? Well, I'm, I'm imagining. Let's let's all imagine that. And he's like running down the hallway, like with one of those backless gowns on. So his arse is there and he's like, he's running with his, with his mobile phone in his hand. And he's like, flight to Manchester immediately. So, so bad. So, so bad. He's just like running. Uh, That's my vision. Yeah, well, fortunately, fortunately, his phone call didn't go to the assistant to take Kyle Walker off after that play because Walker, I thought, helped them win it. Um, But a wild seek was the whole end of that game was was thrilling. And so City get the three points. And meanwhile, Arsenal, who up a man, they scored those two goals in three minutes, which you thought had to just break the no pun intended having just talked about pep but break the back of fulham um and and put them away in demoralizing fashion and fulham down a man it's jao Polina off the corner kick scores for them and you can and you can see now why fulham will not let him leave they will not allow him to leave they have priced him out of them he the, the valuation that fulham have put on on that guy is 90 million right now now i'm not saying he's not a great player is he 90 million grade Probably I don't know, not. but Fulham, they they taught Marco Silva talked about after the game. You see why he why he's so important to us. We need this guy. And they won't let him go. And he's and he's by the way, Paulinha, he scored that goal. And what did he do? He kissed the badge, was punching smacking the, the Fulham badge on his shirt. So maybe he's good there. For now um, at least. Let's just talk about Arsenal for a second, because again, I I didn't see all of this. Um I just saw flashes, heard dispatches. Um dispatches. Yeah. Like a, a, I love that though. I love that word. I, I love using that because it brings you back to a different time. Like it's the 40s. The dispatches from the war. Yeah. Um so I went to I, I always go to it's it's probably not right. I should go when Arsenal are good, but I always go to Ars blog when something bad's happened. Um and he ha blog had this stat, and I'm this isn't good at all. Arsenal are the first team in a calendar year to concede three goals inside the first 60 seconds. Hmm. Like that, there's something not right. Now, Arsbog talked about carelessness, lack of concentration. There's something not quite right there. So then I read on, and I read on to the paragraph about Harty at, at right back. And I'm like, is this, is this some kind of like, uh, infectious pep brain that Arteta has brought with him from Manchester City. So, um, Arsbog writes, I've said before, I'm not a fan of party at right back. I don't believe it's really a tactical innovation as much as a consequence of the manager choosing not to start Gabriel for whatever reason. Even yesterday, if Zinchenko wasn't fit enough to start, we could have played Kivor at left back if the Brazilian had been given the nod. And while I thought he was very poor yesterday, my issue with party at right back isn't so much about him, but what we lose. White's dynamic overlapping was evident in the second half. It gave us so much more threat. And the team losing his connection with Saka feels like we hamstring ourselves a bit. I hope it's the last we see of party at right back. I think that's insanity. 
to I, I what did, to to play him there? Yeah, if you yeah, don't, I, to, I agree. If you don't have to do it, why are you doing it? And again, it's I'm sure it is some little tactical tweak that that uh, Arteta sees, but I mean, yeah, don't do things like that. Arsenal have started this season. I mean, it's not a terrible start. Seven points is is fine. Um, obviously, you're going against the Man City machine, which is, you know, is nine points out of their first three games. But uh, I still have just been a bit rickety and a bit, you know, like that. The performance away at Palace was was very much ground out. They are not quite in their flow yet. Now that's probably a good thing because, you know, you don't want to be in your flow and. Into August, start of September. You just want to be building, I suppose. They haven't lost yet. No, it's exactly. It's not so bad so, to be ramping up while you're winning and, and, you know. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously, jump to conclusions is just around the corner. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll save my comments on Arsenal for that. But, um, but yeah, just a little bit of a rickety start. And, um, and yeah. disappointing because Arteta was so, he was so annoyed that they didn't come away with the three points at the weekend. And I, I can totally understand that. It was a bad one. It was a bad one for them. Also, too, we should mention Kai Havertz um, played 56 minutes, got taken off fairly early, touched the ball 28 times, just 22 times in the first half, which I believe was the fewest of anyone who was out there. Now, look, I mean, I I didn't like the signing from day one. I thought I don't think very much of him as a player. I think you were horrified at his MLS skills challenge debacle. (laughs) I mean, didn't help. Certainly didn't help. Yeah, you know, I, I think they spent way too much money on a guy who. Do we know what his best position is? Like, are we sure? Uh, I don't. I don't entirely know what he brings to the table. I try um, him at right back. <laughs> but like, but I will say this: I'm gonna. You know, I see a lot of people who are who are kind of done with him. And you would think if anybody would be, it would be me. Like I've been kind of down on this guy for a couple of years. But I'm I'm willing to give Mikel Arteta more than three games to figure out the Havertz problem. And yeah. I, and by the way, I think it, it there is one. Like, I, I think that whatever, they spent $65 million or whatever and thought we can, oh, we'll just play him left midfield. Well, was there any evidence? Like, well, I don't know what the plan was when they bought this guy, and I'm just wondering, are they shoehorning him in because they spent all this money and they feel like, well, we got to use him? So I don't know. I don't know what their plan is, but I'm, I'm not going to pronounce it dead after three games. I'll say that. You know, there's some people who just have a face and it doesn't, it it just doesn't inspire confidence. Like he doesn't look like a bounce back guy, a guy that can, you know, just right, roll up his sleeves and get back to work his way back to form. He just, he doesn't have that appearance. I, that's, that's some crack analysis right there. No, it, you know what I mean? There's just some players and they have Ozil, a, like Ozil face. They, uh, yeah, I suppose he didn't exude confidence either. I, I don't know. Sometimes you just, you know what it is and you think. Jay Cutler be, face? He's good. Well, he just had a petulant face. Um, There's just some people and you think they're going to they're gonna be okay. Don't worry. They they have that natural confidence. And I've just never seen that with him. I also, I, I've got to go back and watch it. It's a TIFO video from like when he signed for Chelsea. And they were talking about what he did for Leverkusen and it sounded really really specific and unique you know what I mean like it was it was niche like he was this deep midfield runner with the ball if I remember correctly and he's just not playing that position anywhere not at Chelsea 
not at Arsenal. And so, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't think, and I, this is not a good example, but I, I'm I'm convinced that as as hardworking as he is, um uh Danny Amendola would not have been a success anywhere else except in the New England system. I'm convinced that Chris Hogan would not have worked out anywhere else except New England. Sometimes there are there's just systems and they suit a guy and that's and 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 they look great there and then you sign them for your I don't know anyone else and it just doesn't work out. Maybe maybe that's Havertz. That he he can't succeed anywhere but Bayer Leverkusen. No, it's not that, but in that system at Bayer Leverkusen in, in those years. And listen, there's there's much more avid Bundesliga watchers who can come in and tell me what they remember of him or what he specifically did there at CO Soccer Pod, caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com, uh, caughtoffsidepod on Instagram. Get, get in touch. Tell me what I'm missing here. But I've just never, I've never seen comfortable, confident-faced averts. Yeah, You're, I agree. I agree. Um Let's see, Manchester United. I mean, they, they had a day. There was a moment there where, like, there was real whiplash for fans who were watching these things. Arsenal go down a goal in the first 60 seconds. Manchester United are down 2-0 four minutes in. These games were happening at the same time. It was madness. So United come back from this early two-goal deficit against Forrest. They win. Now, I want to ask you above all this question, because I know sometimes you you have a way with United and your feelings. I'm very fair to them. Lately, we'll anyway. Um, so th- there's a couple ways that you could look at something like this. The first way being that down two goals, the fight back, that's a win that shows you something. They were up against it. Crowd was getting a little antsy. They responded in a big way. Or the other way to look at it is, oh, congratulations, you beat Forrest at home. You want a parade? How does JJ look at it? I, I would... I would trend towards B mm. and not that I don't discount United's ability to, to get back into the game. Um, I, I just was so horrified by the first four minutes that, that that's the mark. Like it's, it's very much a, well, apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the rest of your evening? You know, it's, I know they win the game. And well, they won the, the game. Yeah. That's the most important thing. But Abe didn't go home that night. No. Well, he didn't. Um, I suppose you're right. That is a good distinction. But it, it like the horror of what I saw is still uh is still fresh in my brain. Uh like the first goal, like I don't know how it ends up being Anthony and Rashford as the retreating defenders against the Wanyi. I don't I like don't understand it. I don't understand what Onana is doing. Onana is actually hilarious if you watch it back. So he does the one thing. He goes to come for it. And I think if you're goalkeeper, they tell you, if you make the decision to go, you got to keep going. And then he decides not. And on the edge of the box, he runs backwards. And then he kind of just falls over. He's like discombobulated. His attempt to actually save um, the the goal was, I mean, pretty pathetic. Rashford almost uh, made it back. He kind of almost helped kind of kick it in. He almost did. But it was the on the slow-mo, we can see that it was a Wani that kind of bundled it over the line. And then there's Casemiro and Wan-Bissaka on the free kick. And they're both just stood there picking up the Forest player. And it literally hits him in the face and goes in. He didn't even have to make that much of a move to, to convert it into, to steer it into the net. And Wan-Bissaka and um, Casemiro did what I love. Like, it's, called, it's like fake defending. 
you're like you're you're close enough, but you're not actually doing anything, and you're kind of pretty much inactive, and they're just watching things happen. Like it was so bad, um, and I, I still am of the belief United are gonna be okay and they'll come right, but it just. Again, I'm on about Arsenal being rickety. You know, United are creaking too oh, at the start of this season. Much more so. I mean, you think more so, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at look at their two wins. Yeah, like right. A, a very uninspiring performance against Wolves, and then this a game against Forest at home where they're down two goals in the first four minutes. Like, yeah. Now the the fight back from United, I I don't you can't discount it. I thought it was impressive. I mean, it was pretty comprehensive from that from that moment on. Erickson scored the goal in the 16th or 17th, and yeah, you know there weren't. It was all. It was pretty one way traffic the rest of the way. Felt almost. It almost felt inevitable that they were going to win that, even when they were still down two one in the 51st. God, you'd um, hope so. You know, I mean, like they're at home and they're supposed to be that far on, and I mean, Forest are just no great shakes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to to not think, yeah, come on. You should be scoring three. You should be beating Forrest at home. It's, it, the manner of the two goals just left me, I, I was absolutely baffled. Yeah. Um, but like I said, United fought back. Bruno Fernandez with a nice nice assist for the Casemiro goal. Do you, do you feel, sorry, Andrew, to cut across. That's all right. Do you feel like we're not going to know anything about United really until uh, Hoyland is fit? Kind of, although... I mean, you know my thoughts on him this year. I don't know, I don't know what sort of instant impact to expect from him. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know how much he factors into my way of thinking about what they're going to be this season. If they get okay. something big from him, then I think that's almost in my mind. It's kind of a bonus. I sort of look at him as as like a kind of a raw, almost almost like a prospect. That All like right. this isn't okay. necessarily the year where he's going to make that kind of difference for them. Not everyone agrees. I know United fans are desperate to see him and excited about yeah. it. Um, and they, Lord knows, they could use a player who's just like an out and out center forward goal scorer. Um, but I don't know. That's uh, I'm curious, but I don't know if it how much it factors into my thinking. Okay, fair. But a good three points. They desperately needed it, and we'll see what it becomes now. If that's the kind of game where they can kind of breathe a sigh of relief and then sort of kick on, or if it's so, sort of just like more of that to come. Of just well, it's like, Arsenal up, up next, isn't yeah. it? Yep. So the battle of, of two teams that, would you describe them both as? Rickety starts? Rickety. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's a fascinating one this coming weekend. Uh, a couple other quick ones just to mention here. JJ, the uh, the wave of good feelings that West Ham ended last season with, it, it swept right through into the beginning of this season. That's a great win for them. Over the weekend, over over Brighton. I mean, to go to Brighton and do that was—it's just phenomenal. What a job David Moyes is doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in fairness, and and also, I think I've I've seen, for me anyway, a candidate for goal of the season. Oh, ben Rama's ball to Jared Bowen, the first touch, the control—it's so good. It reminded me slightly of the Shakiri to Salah goal against West Ham at the London Stadium during lockdown in 2020-21 where um, Liverpool just broke the full with uh, full length of the field and scored a, a fabulous goal. It was it was so good. It was really, really great. Now, if you look back at it, on another day, like Evan Ferguson could have had two goals. I think, I, it's funny, I think if Brighton had managed to get that consolation goal earlier, 
I think they would have come back. Like, you know, they were, by the end of the game, they were really laying it on against West Ham. And I, I still, I would think that that result, it's a great result for West Ham and everything, but I think it's more of an anomaly for Brighton. I don't think they're going to be caught out like that again. Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant win for uh, for West Ham. And uh, and they look in, I mean, are, are we settling into now uh period where David Moyes will look at his career thus far and the time he spent at Everton will not be his most successful period or the period that oh, people point to. I this is I love this question. I mm. love that it's the Ed O'Neill question. The actor. I always wonder yes. when it's when it's all said and done, will he be remembered more for married with children or modern family? And I right. don't know the answer. It probably depends how old you are. Moyes, he's getting into Ed O'Neill territory here. Is he going to be, be remembered as an Everton manager or a West Ham one? That trophy at West Ham, I think it sh- it I, shot the West Ham credentials way up the list. I think it. I think it. It skews it towards West Ham. I really do. I mean, what he did at Everton was phenomenal, especially considering Everton's dysfunction since. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pretty much kept that club relevant and. In Top it, four like, contender for an era. Yeah. But, 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 counterpoint. Everton, at least in historic terms, are a much bigger, more elite club than West Ham. West Ham have been up and down, what, three or four times since since Everton you know, since he was at it, well, not since he was at Everton, but, you know, in, in the modern era. So is what he's done at West Ham to get them, you know, all the way to a final of, okay, I'll be at the third European competition and win it and keep them afloat. Not just keep them afloat. Weren't they like seventh? Well, I got I to gotta go back and look at the table, but like two years ago or three years ago. They were seventh. Yeah, they were seventh. And they were, they were in February of that year, they were, pushing for like Champions League spots. So I mean so yeah, I mean I I I think for me right now it's if we're asking the Ed O'Neill question, I think it's I think it's modern family. West Ham. I think you're right. I think you're right. By the way, we should say too, I don't know that it's done because I never know exactly when a transfer is done until I see the player literally on the field. But by all reports, it appears West Ham has signed Mohamed Kudus from Ajax for 38 million. Not a small signing. A guy who We'll see what he is, but he's a kind of a, a self-described entertainer. He he wants to be that guy who is who the fans want to pay to see him play. Um, so midfielder could be could be electric, could be a lot of fun. Uh, not a small price tag, thirty eight million. So they'll expect contribution. We'll see. Exciting. A little bit short of it's, it's a little bit short of their their record transfer fee, but. Um... But yeah, it's a significant amount of money. But they, I mean, look at look at our pre our uh, season preview, and we talked about West Ham, and they signed a seventeen year old from Cliftonville. That was the sum total of of their business. So since then, Kudus Ward Prowse, who's made an impact, yeah. Edson Alvarez, yeah. um, not not too shabby, not too shabby. Um, speaking of not too shabby, JJ, another quick one here. Ange Postacago, it's taken him all three games. Oh I've never seen a fan base fall in love with a manager so quickly. You but can just everyone tell. Has. I know. Everyone but you, has. You can just tell the Tottenham fans, I say this as one, um, 
like the like the desperation to to want to watch your team play again. It had kind of been lost for four years. You watched them because you had to, but you're sort of like now watching this. It's kind of like you remember that I was watching them those last few years because I had to. Now I'm watching them because I want to. I don't know how good this is going to. I don't know that they're going to do this all season, Um, but I know that this is it's fun to watch. It's enjoyable to watch. Um, And like what's interesting about Tottenham right now is if I told you, okay, they're going to be playing this attack-minded football and they're going to be playing well, they're going to be scoring goals. They're doing this. Son and Richarlison, Richarlison, who is, for all intents and purposes, the new Kane positionally, and Son is the golden boot winner who's now the captain of the team. They haven't done anything, really. I mean, neither of them have scored. I don't even know. Like, I can't remember too many opportunities really on target from either of them. I have they're- to say... Richardson's trying hard, but he he ain't it as a center forward. There was one chance, and I'm surprised the commentary didn't make more of it. Madison puts in this brilliant ball to the far post, and Richardson heads it into the side net. And when you look at it again, you're like, dude, you got to put that on frame. It's like uh, you talk about confidence players or Bayer Leverkusen system players. I, I don't know what his deal is. I don't know how he can be Brazil's number nine but like can't do anything for Spurs in, in a system that you would think, I mean, maybe, I don't know, Ange, maybe he doesn't need that kind of center forward play. Maybe it's all about getting everybody involved. Um, I don't know, but it's not encouraging what you've seen from him so far. Tottenham, there's rumors that they're getting ready for a 50 million pound bid for Brendan Johnson. Um, And I wouldn't do that. I don't know that that's the answer either. No. by the way, I don't know that they right now. I don't know that they need an answer. Like they are finding ways to score goals. Brennan Johnson's a, more of a winger. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know where he slots in on this team right now, unless Sun gets moved centrally, and they're going to put Brennan Brennan Johnson out wide. Which I sure put that. That's on the table. Do you um, think? Sorry to, to to just to go back to Ange for a sec. Do you think if Ange came on and he went, well, uh, I uh, I had a you know mate, I had a quite a lot of. Uh, diarrhea last night and people would be yeah yeah that's amazing like everything he says right now is absolute gold and i love him but he was he was talking about matoma he remembers matoma's professional debut in japanese football and he was able to tell him oh he he just come out of uni like he was in university and uh and matoma destroyed them he was playing for kawasaki i think and and Ange's team were the champions and he just ripped through them that day like Ange is all these, like because he's had this weird path to the yeah. top, he's got all these amazing stories and this kind of, he's like, I genuinely think he's humble. And I, I love listening to him talk about football. Absolutely love it. He's, uh, and his post-match, I don't know who was saying this. It was some reporter who, who goes to games regularly, but he, um, on, on a podcast I was listening to, but he said, it's so interesting to have a person that comes out and talks like a human being. Yeah. You know, he's like almost no, nobody in football who, lo- who wants to be there. Conte yeah. was so effing miserable every yeah. week. Like, but like, but like, even like, you know, uh, and not to jump on Eddie Howe again, but like Eddie Howe would be cliche, man. Like there's so many of them speak in football ease. Like we have a language and it's football ease. And it's, it's very kind of, it's very, uh, Pre-programmed, etc. 
But Ange, Ange just talks like he's he's at the pub. I know. It's great. Now, I'll say this. Like, he hasn't had too many moments recently. You know, he was at Celtic where they kind of owned that league by his doing. I mean, he managed them and they were great. Like, but I'm saying, like, there haven't been too many moments of in the recent past where he's had to get up there in front of the media after three straight losses, one of which is to Burnley, like something like that. Like, so there's still stormy weather that they're going to have to go through and we'll see how he handles that. Um, but right now it's, it's awesome. It's fun. Like that first goal that they scored. I mean, like that's the goal. That's the dream is like, I've been taught, I've been going on and on about this midfield and what they're capable of. And it's Basuma gets the ball, you know, positive moving forward, Sar then comes onto it, slips one through to Madison, who makes the run in behind, and it's a it's a goal born out of the midfield. James Madison, I mean, I uh, knew he, I, I knew he was a really great player. Like we've seen what he's done for Leicester, but like I'm watching I'm watching him differently now. I just am. Oh my, he's likable. Oh man, what a player! And like he's got this kind of attitude. Did you see what he did to the Bournemouth fans? They're it was chanting. so funny. He's coming over for the, to take the corner. The ball's by the corner flag. And as he's coming over, they're chanting, Southgate's right, you're effing S. Southgate's yeah. right, you're effing S. And so he doesn't acknowledge, like, he's just, like, going to the ball. And then he takes the ball and puts it about two feet outside of, like, where you're allowed to take the corners. And, like, immediately the crowd loses its mind. And then he looks up and laughs and smiles at all of them. And, and, they, and they respond and they, to and it. And they loved it. They actually thought it was, can, he won them over in two seconds. You can hear one guy go, it was almost like, you know, there's always a... There's always a, a guy in the crowd in The Simpsons that shows some that shouts something that goes, "Hey, that guy's right," you know, like something, <laughs> something like that. And there's a guy going, "Oh, fair play to him," you yeah. know, like as if he's funny. He's, yeah, it was, he was funny. He was having fun with it. It was, yeah, I don't know. They're, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Some kids right your effing. <laughs> it was very funny. Good. I mean, it's it a funny, funny chant for the opposition and a great response. Uh, imagine the, bu- imagine the abuse. I mean. I mean, probably not a Bournemouth because Bournemouth's a Bournemouth's not really a Bournemouth's not that kind of club. Do you know what I mean? Like a it's hostile so environment. Not really. You'd have a few like th- those were probably the hardcore fans there. But can you imagine, like, say, for example, if West Ham fans or Everton fans played in a ground like that, like right on the field? Yeah. Do you imagine the stuff that would be said to you? Well, if you want to neutralize it, you do. I mean, honestly, they should teach a footballing course in what James Madison did there. The crowd's on you. They're messing with you. Do this. You'll win them over in 10 seconds. They'll love you. They'll go home smiling about it. Uh, I do think did. there are some fan bases that are easier to win over than others. I would, I would say that. In no mood for jokes. Oh, um, all right. Imagine Millwall playing a ground like that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope this happens again in a more hostile environment because I think it, I I really think it could work with anyone. I do you know where it won't work. Istanbul. It's not working there. <laughs> uh, let's see, before we get out here, just cause I want to end the, the first half of the pod on a positive note. Uh, oh, Everton. Jesus. Oh, oh, sweet Everton, JJ. You know how, th- you know why things are bad when Jay texts you oh. and said, I actually think it's happening. I can see it now. We're going down. Yeah. Because and again, I don't want to say Doug. Like, it's not fair to say like Doug is. Doug probably wears his heart in his sleeve more than than Jay. And I'm and I'm not saying Jay is devoid of emotion. He, I mean, sure, he, I'm sure he's been very emotional watching Everton. But when I'm getting texts from him, I I know. Like, cause cause, 
his dog is like kind of he lives on the edge and he's he's so like you're he's, saying Doug is is a you're on the airplane, we're hitting some turbulence. Doug is a nervous flyer. Yes. Jay is the flight attendant. The nervous yeah. flyer is going to get nervous and they're going to yell. When the flight yeah. attendant starts doing it, now we got problems. Uh, well, Jay has just literally walked down the aisle of the plane uh, that for some reason I'm on uh-huh. and has whispered calmly into my ear, um, I'd just like to let you know that we are going down <laughs> and there are no, uh, there's no parachutes. And um, we are heading for the ocean. So. Yeah. And then he pats me on the shoulder and keeps walking. Yeah. It's. Everton have scored zero goals from 4.95 XG this season. And I think I saw the wildest passage of play I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, the cross is put in. It's a great cross. It's decorated at the far post. And he. The upper part of his body and the lower part of his body get tangled. Uh, and the ball is still going in. And Sa, Jose Sa makes this just unbelievable contortion to, to, to be able to flick that bouncing ball over the bar. And it's nil-nil at that point. And I just knew then that Everton were going to lose. Absolutely. And they lost in the most uh, just the the goal, Kaladzic's goal. So Kaladzic is the only person, the as far as I know, he's the only Wolves attacker in the box. And I think Neto or whoever has the ball out on the right-hand side. And he's just waving. And he reminds me of like, if, if you put Kristaps Porzingis in the paint... And he's just waving for the ball. You know the way basketball players do. Sure. And they and he just hangs one up. Just hangs one up there. Because this fella's like he's what is he, six seven? I mean, he should be playing basketball. And he hangs one up there, and he doesn't even get that good of a header. And Pickford doesn't come for it. Patterson is caught out. Just and it just just flops into the net. And you're like, ugh. Like I, I, I think Pickford should come and do something because he's the only one that can see everything and he and, and he ends up doing nothing. He's he's better off just go and clean Kaladzic like Onana did. Absolutely clean him. Yeah. Make force, the, force the ref into a decision that you know they don't want to make. Exactly. But do something. Do anything. Um, oh, they're desperate. They're absolutely desperate. They're desperate in new and like... What are they? They have to do something before the end of the window, and they've got no money. They're like they're financially effed, but they've got to do something. But who's? I mean, but like, it's a two way street. Who wants to? Who wants to go there right now on what feels oh, like a sinking ship? I mean, oh god, I don't know. I don't know. It's not good. We've said it many times. It's not good. Not a good situation. Um, so on that note, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We got a few other things to do on the other side. Uh, Still a lot more caught offside to go. Don't go anywhere. Hold up. What was that? 
boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now. Caught offside late, very late on a Monday here in, uh, in New York. JJ, I'm going to go off script for a sec. I know we have a rundown, and there was something I forgot to put in it, but I needed to get your thoughts on it because we oh. haven't had a chance. Um, Mike Dean has been in the news um, the past few days. He, uh, In an interview, he, oh. he referenced back to that memorable Tottenham-Chelsea match at the beginning of last season, in August of last season. And he was the VAR that day. Anthony Taylor was the referee. And um, now famously, uh, remember the game ended where Christian Romero pulled Mark Kukurea to the ground by his hair. And inexplicably, in in the moment, inexplicably, VAR chose not to look at it. The game continued. On the ensuing corner, Kane scored and it ended deep in stoppage time. It ended 2-2. And it felt it felt scandalous, even as a Tottenham fan. I remember I went on the pod and said, look, I can't lie to you. I don't know how that happened. Wasn't right. Wasn't right that that happened, but it did. I'll take it. Fast forward now to this past week. Mike Dean gives an interview and he essentially admits, I saw it. I knew it was wrong that he probably should have been sent off for it. But Anthony Taylor had had a rough day. He refers to him as his mate. And he said, I didn't want to make it any more embarrassing or difficult for him. So I I let it go. JJ, so he was suspended for three. He didn't work again for three weeks. He says he never wants to be the VAR again. It's too much pressure. He, He hated doing that. I don't think he, and look, he's done, but like he, that guy can't referee again. Like that is a, that is like, you are now messing with the integrity of the game and i know like oh it's kind of people want to laugh at it it's a funny oh these like referee stories are funny to people this is like to me it's not really funny like what if chelsea i don't know chelsea went on had a terrible season but like what if they didn't you had a referee who knowingly saw something who i don't know out, out of a friendship with another ref decided to take the game and the outcome potentially into his own hands like that's it is so unacceptable that he did that. That is that is just like the peak of of bad refereeing. And like I don't care if he says it was out of the goodness of his heart, his heart was in the right place or whatever. I don't care. You have a job to do. And by the way, the other thing I don't get, like that was so embarrassing to Anthony Taylor to make him go to the VAR to look at that. I mean, in real time, did anyone see that? Like there's nothing wrong with that. He missed it. Refs miss stuff. It's why we have VAR. It was going to make Anthony Taylor look worse. 
if we uh, saw that like how about this it, how about does doesn't it make him look worse that a year later you've come out and not only still exposed him in what you what you said you didn't want to do then you're doing it now so like now and you're making it even worse because you're making him look pathetic like oh he had such a bad day i didn't want to make it worse for him but now he's like a pathetic figure in this mike dean what's wrong with this guy i totally agree with you and and it also just further feeds in to to those people that think there's some level of conspiracy because this is a conspiracy between two referees to look after each other. Like it just fuels all that stuff. I should not be talking about this. Like it's just not a good look. Don't, why would you do this? You're emasculating your friend as well. Um, yeah. Ter- yeah. Terrible. I mean, yeah. really, really bad. Don't forget some refs somewhere in the nineties. We, we came into the era of the celebrity ref. I think with Graham Paul and Pierluigi Colina, where they kind of... They, it wasn't good enough that they were the man in the center. They wanted to be the center. And I'm not accusing Colina of that. Colina just kind of did it by accident, by the force of his personality and his weird eyes. And uh, Graham Paul definitely wanted to be the center of attention until he definitely didn't want to be the center of attention when he got it all wrong at the World Cup. Um, when he was handing out yellow cards. Um, yeah, it's just referees are better to be seen and not heard. Well, he's he's been heard now. Um, yeah, he was talking, I think, with Simon Jordan. He, he, was, he was asked, he was pressed on this after he gave the initial interview about his use of the word mate, that like because he's your friend. Uh, he said he's he talked about that a little bit, um, not because he's my mate, but because I'm trying to protect the referee, it was wrong and I paid the price. I didn't have a game for three weeks after that, so I did pay the price. The buck stops at me, and it was a bad a bad mistake by myself. Yeah. I'm trying to protect the referee. That's not your – what? Then then don't – then quit. Then don't do this anymore because your job is not to protect the referee. It's to, it's to ensure the correct outcome of the game. Well, he doesn't do it anymore, does he? No, no. I, I saw that. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, not all, I, it's not that I couldn't, I guess, it's not the, like, I couldn't believe that it, that it happened. It's the, I couldn't believe he would come out and say this. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Uh, incredible. Incredible. Um, let's see. JJ, I want to talk a little bit MLS real quick before we get to red cards and man of the match. Because, um, you know, we're, we're in an interesting point of the season now. MLS is, we're, we're past the League's Cup. We're past the U Open, uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinals. Like we're really in push to playoff time, and so I just want to pick your brain and see if there's there's any thoughts or observations that you have, any teams that you kind of are, are keying in on as we enter this uh, this most important stretch run here. Um, it, I mean, it's like just again at the weekend, it was brilliant to see Messi come on, have that little cameo, just thread that beautiful ball for his own goal. Um, and it, it was really with, really amazing. Uh, Oh, it's a, that whole passage of play was great. Like, there definitely is something about the great players making everybody around them play better and raise their level. It's well, it's the, absolutely the, true. Jordi so Alba's like the, pass to Messi. Oh, like a perfect bicycle kick pass. Like, that was incredible in itself. I mean, if you're a Red Bull defender, you never want to look at any of that again. If you're if you're John Tolkien at the far post, just oh, close your eyes forever. I mean, they were, again, it's not the first time, but 
Messi making a lot of professional footballers look pretty unprofessional. But I mean, that's what he's able to do. Like, I am fascinated now. They're off the bottom, um, into Miami on twenty-one points. And I know they are the story of the season. I know there's lots of other teams that are going to get bored about us talking about them. But like to say I'm not tracking that would be a lie. Oh. They are nine points away from DC United and tenth, who are who are two points outside of the, the playoff spots. So Chicago at the moment, the Fire uh, are occupying that last spot. But it's it's like really, it's really kind of it's tight. Like you could see a lot of change in that. I'm actually wondering. Red Bulls are only three points off the playoff spot. I'm wondering if the Red Bulls can rally, put something together, and sneak into the playoffs, which used to be their their domain, and now the last few years has kind of been well less and less so. And then in yeah. the West, well, I real mean, quick before before you leave that, I just want to throw in, you know, we keep talking about Inter Miami, this push to the playoffs. Can they do it? Can they do it? Um, I mean, obviously, it's no, it's no secret to say this. It's kind of it's kind of hinging on Messi. I think we're I think we're seeing that. Tata Martino, he said, we got an international break coming up. Not for MLS though. Messi's gonna miss three games. Yeah. Is that is that, it, is that all it takes to like sink them? Right. But it it, it it absolutely could be. I mean, let's be honest, it really could be. They were not good before he arrived. Even in that game, not- like they, they played well enough before he came on, but like he came on as a sub, did that. And they, it's also they, they would have won that game anyway, I think. But yeah, it's also about managing him because he's he's gone through a mini tournament. He's absolutely torn it up. But there's been a lot of not a lot of minutes, um, a lot of stress. He is only human. Uh, there's going to be people who pay tickets for games uh, in the coming down the stretch, and I think Miami may rest him in certain games. So you may be, you may not uh, get your money's worth in that sense. Um, but yeah. You'd be an absolute fool as Messi goes, so do Inter Miami. Yeah. And then in the West, um, I'm just wondering if, like, Austin are they're occupying that last spot, but Minnesota tight on points. I'm wondering if Sporting KC can, can do something. Um, like, at the top of it, St. Louis, like 44 points, LAFC, you know, just behind them. Um, I, I don't know if I'm, we're going to see. On the change there, but it's super tight, Andrew. Like like Seattle in third on thirty seven, Real Salt Lake thirty seven, Houston Dynamo on thirty five, San Jose then in sixth place on thirty five, Vancouver thirty four. Like it's it's super tight. So we could no, see. I mean, lot. Minnesota are currently out. You know, the eight nine is that play in Minnesota yeah. tenth. Like they're outside of the of even the play in picture. They're they're only five points back though of third place Seattle. Like you're right. It's, I know it's it's, it's ridiculous. Great. It is ridiculous. It really is. So like there, there there could be a lot of flux and a lot of change there, and we could see some teams finish very strongly and finish much higher than they than they currently are right now. I don't have a I don't have a great sense. I like I feel like Austin are due to go on some kind of a run. Um, I put so much stock in them at the start of the season, um, and maybe they're in slightly a false position. I think they're probably better than than where they are occupying that last playoff spot. Um, for me, I'm uh kind of looking at Nashville. And where they go from here. So they're seventh. And they're obviously going to want to stay seventh or or move up to Mm. avoid that 8-9 game. So, like, where does their season go from here? You know, they they just suffered the dramatic penalty shootout loss to Messi and Miami in the League's Cup final. Is that a turning point of their season? And if so, which which direction? So I looked at it prior to the League's Cup in MLS play. They had lost three straight. Chicago, Philly, Cincinnati. 
And then if you want, so that happens, but then you can point to the league's cup and say, well, maybe they found something. They got hot, made a run. Maybe this kicks them on the rest of the way. However, even in the league's cup, like they played seven games, they won five, they lost two, but two of their five wins were on penalties. Um, So now they come back from the league's cup and it's like, okay, well, who are we getting when they come back? And they immediately get blasted 4-0, crushed by Atlanta United FC. It's actually it's actually Nashville SC's worst loss ever in their history, short history, but still. Um, and so it's like, oh, well, so it's right it's right back to that MLS form again. Um, you know, so if you thought maybe there'd be some momentum to be gained from the tourney run, I'm just I'm not sure you can say that. I don't know what to expect. Like the Sam Surge signing, I thought I still think it looks it looks great for them and could be a big boost for them. Um, but their next three games, it's against teams that are all currently outside of the playoff picture. However, one of those three is Inter Miami tomorrow night in Fort Lauderdale. So I don't know. I don't know where their season goes from here. If you thought that that League's Cup run was going to spur them on the rest of the way, I don't. I don't know that you can say that. It's it's going to be tight. Now, I'm I'm going to be very curious watching which direction the season goes for them the rest of the way. It's tough having a. a... A tournament that everyone's so invested in and that you get to the final in and lose in the middle of your regular season. Like there's an emotional come down from that. There has to be. Yeah, you would and you think. Wonder, and you wonder if that's going to hamper Nashville um, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, oh, boy. It's been a while. I love doing this. Let's do this now. Red card. You want to go first? Yes. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Luis Rubiales mother. For a red card. I cannot believe that this story has got even weirder or stranger, but it has. This is from Reuters. The mother of Spanish Soccer Federation chief, Luis Rubiales, who faces backlash for his unsolicited kiss on player Jenny Hermoso, on Monday locked herself inside a church and announced a hunger strike to protest her son's, quote, inhumane treatment, EFE News Agency reported. Angelis Behar said her strike would last until a solution is found to the inhumane and bloody hunt they are carrying out against my son with something he does not deserve. Rubiales was suspended on Saturday by FIFA following his unsolicited kiss on the mouth of the national team star during the award ceremony after Spain's World Cup win in Sydney. According to EFE, Behar stayed inside the parish church of Divina Pastora in Rubiales' hometown in southern Spain. Motril with her sister after the parish priest left. She asked Hermoso to tell the truth and to, quote, stick to the version she gave at the beginning, EFE added. Quote, there is no sexual abuse since there is consent on both sides, as the images prove. Behar told EFE as she questioned why they're taking it out on him and what is behind the whole story. Quote, my son is incapable of hurting anyone. Bayer said, Rubiales 46 has been defiant over the kiss, which has been condemned as unwanted by Hermosa, her teammates and the Spanish government, arguing that it was consensual. What on earth? Now, I I know there's a lot of people out there, a mother's love knows no bounds, etc. Sorry. She is she is making an ass of herself on hunger strike in a church for this guy. Are you serious? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, 
and I'm sure Rubiales is. I'm thinking of uh, uh, the English office and uh, this quote from David Brent um, when he was trying to bat off charges of sexism within the office. I think this is the next line that Rubiales might take. Uh, he might use his mother to defend himself. Something like this. How can I hate women? My mum's one. How can I hate women? My mum's one. And the way Ricky Gervais kind of looks as if, oh, well, that wins the argument. God, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mike, Mike Trump. There. But yeah. this is unbelievable. Absolutely so weird. I mean, I do associate hunger strikes with like really noble political action. Like, yeah, Ga Gandhi, she is not. No. Um, absolutely incredible. I, I Of all the twists I thought this was going to take, uh, this, uh, this is not one. And you wonder how Rubiales' behavior has gotten to this point as a 46-year-old man, maybe we don't have to wonder anymore uh, if he's been kind of enabled by people close to him for so long, uh, including his mother. Maybe this isn't a shock, but uh, yeah, red card to uh, to Anjali Behar. For those of you out there who had the uh, the Women's World Cup parlay of Spain wins Women's World Cup, then immediately boycotts soccer, followed by the president's mother going on hunger strike. Well, you've cashed in. Congrats. I mean, this what is a, just insanity. It is. It's it's madness. Absolute madness. Yeah. And um, and and the double downing at his press conference the other day when everyone turns up expecting him to resign, and he's like, Nah. -uh. I'm going nowhere. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, let's see, JJ, my red card, the Burnley brick thrower, as I have been referring to him. Um, I saw that. As Aston yeah. Villa yeah, began their journey from Burnley back to Birmingham following Sunday's 3-1 win, their team bus was struck by a brick on the M65. Um, thankfully, no one was hurt. But you want to talk about disaster averted. Like, think about some of the ways in which that could have gone. If just like a couple things happen differently, uh, the matter has been turned over to the police. Burnley released a, uh, a very strong statement condemning the action. But to top it off, these absolute fools took video of the incident yep. and posted it to social media. You can go on and see this happen. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Um, the bus, it's it's going over like a walking path. There's like a walking path that goes kind of below the ground underneath the highway. And these idiots are down there below, like kind of below the highway and they lob a brick up from there that you can, I mean, it's hard to see it exactly, but it, you can hear it. It hits the, the bus. Thud. Yeah. You hear the thud. And then like these, these guys, they start laughing. Their laughter, JJ is very much the sound of people that have no idea what's about to happen to them. No, like <laughs> there's only one way this is going to end. Uh, I mean, someone's, getting arrested here possibly going to jail like yeah but laugh it up fellas like hilarious what i don't know once again just add it to the list of one of those things that if if it happened over here it'd be the biggest story in months over there we will forget about it by next week it's crazy i've already i've already forgotten about it it's crazy what the things that go on in this sport we go from from a president's mother on hunger strike to guys throwing bricks at buses it's what a time it's what a time normal. to be alive it's all, it's all fine well, let's end on happy stuff, JJ, as we do this. Caught offside's man of the match. Yeah, this is kind of happy. Oh, for God's sake. Well, so so it's it's the news that broke today 
Um, news that some people suggest was in the offing for a while, but um, he's my man of the match because John Herdman, uh, the Canada boss, has quit the national team to take over at Toronto FC. Now, uh, the reason he's my man of the match is because, I mean, he's leaving the post of the job he did so well in turning around from 2019 the fortunes of the Canadian soccer team, leading them to their first World Cup since 1986. Um, and and putting in absolutely brilliant performances in qualifying, and some flashes of good performances at the World Cup, it was probably overwhelming them a little bit. But like he's he's done a brilliant, brilliant job, and now he's turning down the opportunity to coach Canada at another World Cup. A World Cup Canada will be will be will be hosting along with the U.S. and Mexico to take over at Toronto. Um, Fellow Sligo man is a sports writer for the Toronto Star, uh, Joe Callahan. And Joe writes the following. That Herdman would leave the national team is perhaps not in itself the biggest surprise. The Englishman has expressed growing frustrations with his employers at Canada Soccer and how they have found themselves in a financial situation so precarious that Interim General Secretary Jason DeVos had even discussed the possibility of bankruptcy for the National Federation. Oh, my God. Oh, Earlier this month, Canada Soccer announced that due to financial constraints, Herdman's men's team would play only a single friendly across two international windows this fall when regional rivals US and Mexico have four matches booked. However, seeing Herdman quit Canada for a job in Major League Soccer and particularly a club itself beset by long-term turmoil can only be described as a hammer blow to the national team and the federation. Toronto FC is on the worst run in its history, winning just three of 29 games this season as the huge financial outlay on Italian superstars Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi have blown up in the face of owner Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. This, how dysfunctional and disastrous Canadian soccer must be that Herdman has decided to jump ship and join the, the sinking ship that is Toronto FC is absolutely staggering. So this is a man of the match in the sense that, hey, what a brilliant job he did for Canada, but also kind of one tainted with what a mess this is. I was wondering how we'd get to the to the good part there. Well, the good part is what he did, and we sure. have to say goodbye on his departure, and and he's my man of the match in that sense. All right. Uh, let's see, mine, JJ. Oh, Skeptical, oh Andy. Oh, boy. Christian Pulisic, make it two and two for our guy. He does it again for AC Milan. Really, I, I just want an excuse to play the Milan commentary from uh, Mauro Suma uh, of Pulisic's goal from over the weekend. Take a listen to this. Christian Pulisic dentro per Loftus. Loftus, 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 Giro. Pulisic, come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. USA, USA, USA. Again, PDD again. Christian Pulisic, the captain of USA national team. That's fantastic. Chanting USA, USA. Now, he does call him Captain America. Um, mm. which is really Tyler Adams, but you know what? We'll we'll give it to him. Um, afterwards, JJ, the there's videos of uh, the Curva suit. They're singing his name from um, high up in the San Siro. It's great to see. We weren't wrong. We were never wrong. He's the real deal. He just needed a a manager that believes in him, and B, most importantly, a run of games where he's healthy. Now, B is the hard part. And there's no predicting that and how that'll go. But for now, 
I would say at least Milan, they look validated in their pursuit and in their desire to plan that maybe this wasn't just some, you know, some PR stunt. Oh, we need a, we need an American. Well, you got one and it's, I'd say you got a pretty damn good one. So good for him, for Christian Pulisic to have left what was a a miserable situation for him. And hopefully he's now found his way into what turns out to be a, a brilliant one. It's off to a great start. I wonder if this his his sad. Remember, we we used to have the Sally Field drop. We haven't used that in a while. You like me? Um, you you like me? I think you know. There's always a club for for one player. There's a there's there's somewhere where they just fit, and maybe this is it for him. Maybe this is exactly where he needs to be. He needed a. What's clear is he needed a new start. Clearly, he he had to go. He couldn't stay at that club anymore, even if, with managerial changes or whatever. He needed somewhere new, and probably leaving the league altogether wasn't the worst thing. No. Um, so we'll see where this goes. You know, I can't wait to see him in, in Europe. Um, but right now it, it looks great. He looks like he's enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, a lot of former Chelsea guys, Ruben Loftus cheek with the assist on the Pulisic goal. Um, it's uh, they're fun. Uh, I mean, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying seeing that. So good for, good for our guy, Christian tearing up Syria. Love it. Yeah. Um, JJ, I got, uh, I got nothing else. I'm spent, Andrew. That's yeah. me. Spent. Totally spent. We'll uh, we'll have another one of these later this week, so keep your eyes open for that on the feed. Um, and uh, it should be a big weekend to look forward to. There's always stuff to get to. I know you, I don't know, you were talking about doing a wheel of football at some point. We'll see. We'll see. I do enjoy wheel of football. Could be, like, could be coming up on that. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think, uh, I think people like it, the random nature of it. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's weird, man. I could come back from a vacation and I feel like, God, I, I need a vacation. Do you ever have that? Well, yeah, I just got back from one with uh, Disney world. Yeah. I mean, my daughter is not as you were at the beach. Yeah. She had it. We, we, um, we brought her like for her first beach hangout for, she spent two hours on the beach on Thursday in a little tent with her own little kind of wetsuit jumpsuit thing on. It was it's the most adorable thing I've ever seen. You just slept. It's, that's nice. That's a beautiful story. She's she's, she's everything to me, man. I <laughs> I'm so like it's embarrassing. Well, it's really I'm just, embarrassing. I'm just glad you made it out of there without any more elderly men making fun of your body. I was worried about I know, about that I know. After, after what yeah, happened to you. I hey, was, this is bad. He, he looks horrible at the beach. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed this thoroughly. This was a really fun weekend to have looked back on. There will be more. There's always more. The sport never disappoints. And we, of course, will be here all along the way to cover it for you. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 